Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, everybody. Scott Luton with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. Today, we're continuing our series that we like to call The Now Generation, where we sit down with students and educators from some of the leading supply chain management programs really around the world. Now, with that said, I want to welcome our panel here today, starting with Dr. Jason Miller, professor at Michigan State University and repeat guest. Jason, how you doing? Doing well. How you doing? Doing wonderful. Great to have you back. We had such a great uh, live stream discussion on the domestic freight markets uh, with our friends at U.S. Bank a month or so ago. So uh, enjoyed your perspective there. Oh, thanks. I was really enjoyed being on. It's hard to believe it's already been a month. Can you believe that? And the best part is not only do we have you back, but we've got two of your brightest students uh, and and uh, now pr- uh, practitioners, I'll call it, uh, at Ma- Michigan State University, starting with Ashley Yearwood, a senior at Michigan State in the Honors College, majoring in supply chain management and minoring in information technology and economics. Ashley is also president of the Supply Chain Management Association. Ashley, how you doing? Doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Man, I don't know how you find any time. I, uh, you know, <laughs> as I like as I like to talk about these, um, it was pizza and beer for me when I was matriculating through college. So great to have you here, Ashley. And you're joined by Jacob Levac, also a senior at Michigan State, also majoring in supply chain management. And he serves, get this, as CFO on the executive board for the Supply Chain Management Association. Jacob, how you doing? Doing well. How are you? Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Okay. So we've got, uh, so Jason, we've got quite a conversation teed up. Um, now, I, I'm assuming you have been rubbing elbows with Ashley and Jacob for, for quite some time now, huh? Uh, you know, unfortunately, not as much as I would like because um, I don't teach undergrad anymore now that I transition into the chairperson role. So I am strictly only teaching the graduate students at this point in time. Well, that's no fun, huh? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I love teaching undergrad. Um, a couple years from now, I'll be back to, to doing it. But yeah, this is my first year at Michigan State not teaching um, any undergrad sections. Okay, man. Well, we'll talk more about your role in just a second. Uh, but I want to start, now that we've got uh, everybody here, I want to start, uh, one of my favorite questions to ask is, where is everybody from, right? Where they grew up? You, you always find out a lot about people when you start the conversation there. So, uh, Jacob, let's start with you. Tell us where you grew up. Well, first of all, I want to start by thanks for having us. Uh, but I grew up in Canton, Michigan, so that's about 30 minutes outside of Detroit area. So, go Lions. <laughs> but it's it's um small suburb outside of Detroit. Uh, okay. Played a lot of soccer growing up. A lot of soccer growing up. Uh, obviously a big Detroit Lions fan. Uh, what about the Red Wings? Were you a big hockey fan? Not as of recently, but I've been hearing they've they've been playing pretty well. Some uh, I think the rebuild is is on its way to the finish line. So we'll have to see. And Little Caesars Arena is a fun place to watch some hockey, watch some basketball too. Okay. All right. So one final question. See, so Canton, Michigan. So if we were to venture up to Canton, Michigan, what was one? What, what is one place that we have to stop in and eat at? Well, I stop to eat at. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you, you can eat here too. Uh, is I think the only IKEA in Michigan is in Canton, and that's how uh, I describe. If if somebody doesn't know where Canton is. I ask him, uh, well, have you seen the Ikea off the freeway? It's like, yeah, that's game. So, but they do have good food there too, and it's a pretty good price. So I'd say Ikea. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Uh, all you have to say is Ikea these days for so many people, right? So many consumers. Uh, there are devoted fans to Ikeas everywhere. Um, okay. Well, so Jacob is from Canton, Michigan. How about you, Ashley? I'm from Lake Orion, Michigan. Lake Orion. Now, where is that kind of geographically? Um, it's about an hour 15 from East Lansing and then about an hour, less than an hour north of Detroit. Okay. 
so that I bet the weather. What, what what's colder weather wise between Canton and Lake Orion? Ashley, you think? I would have to say they're pretty similar. Um, yeah. We are a little bit further north than Canton, so if anything, I'd say we might be a smidge colder, but not by too much. But it's all cold for someone from Georgia, I would imagine, right? Yes, definitely. So, uh, growing up in Lake Orion, um, we'll, we'll get to food in just a second, but Jacob shared a couple of his, his sports alliances. Uh, how about you, Ashley? Uh, I played golf in high school. Um, I'm still really passionate about it. It's a great pastime of mine. Um, Lake Orion's a beautiful town. Um, lots of golf courses. Love to golf with my family and friends there. Okay. Who is your um, Who's your favorite golfer? Ooh, that's a yeah, tough one. one. I really... I really like Justin Thomas. I'd have to say he's my favorite. Okay, fair enough. And then final question for you. Uh, same question. If we stopped in the, uh, Lake Orion, Michigan, and picked one place to eat at, what would that be? I would say Sagebrush. It's okay. our hometown Mexican restaurant. Everyone's go-to downtown. Do they have really good hot sauce? They do have good hot sauce, yep. Yeah. And surprisingly <laughs> enough, their chicken tenders are really good for a Mexican restaurant. That <laughs> That is a go-to there. All right. So, uh, Jason, it sounds like when we're pit, uh, making pit stops in Canton and Lake Orion, uh, we're going to eat some great Mexican food uh, with some chicken tenders and pick up some, uh, some, some very popular furniture. Jason, how's that sound? Sound like a road trip to me, huh? Yeah, de- definitely wasn't what I was expecting. <laughs> so, so as I mentioned, Jason, you're not getting out of this question. I know you. you we we spoke a little about this uh, on your last appearance with us, but where did you grow up, Jason? I grew up in a little farm town in Northwest Ohio, honest to God, called Hicksville. Okay. I'm making that up. It's area code four three five two six. If anybody wants, to throw it in Google, and it will pop up. About thirty five hundred people. Man. Okay. Uh, well. So what if what was one thing you would call inseparable from your childhood growing up there in Hicksville, Ohio? Oh boy, inseparable. I mean, it's just you know, small town, small town America. About the only, you know, you know, for me, for me, I played baseball all through growing up. So I think that probably would be the uh, would be the big thing. But yeah, I've, I honestly, even though I live only about two and a half hours away from there, I haven't been back to Hicksville in oh boy about four years now, I think. Okay. So, uh, final question then, Jason, what position did you play on the baseball team? Primarily pitched in first base. Okay, man. Learn something new every day. Ashley, uh, did you and Jacob know that about Jason? No, I did not. Okay. All right. We'll have a, we'll have a, uh, a strikeout competition later on maybe, but before we eat the Mexican food, uh, Ashley there in uh, Lake Orion. Um, all right. So, Really quick, Jason, you alluded to it on the front end. Before we kind of dive more into um, kind of why supply chain, both for Ashley and Jacob, let's talk about your role because it, it, you, you just mentioned uh, on the front end how it's evolved a bit, and now you spend all of your time, it sounds like, with graduate students. Is that right? Yeah, so my so probably the first almost misnomer that exists with what faculty do is even as a quote-unquote regular faculty member, I only spend about 25% of my time teaching. Most of it is spent doing academic research. Um, and that's where what I really specialize in um, primarily. But now I'm the um, interim chairperson for the department. So I am essentially running the department. We have about 45 total employees um, that I oversee then. Um, I'm responsible for about 350 undergrads, three, actually about 375 undergrads per graduating class from our major, as well as our two PhD programs, as well as our master's of science in supply chain management, plus a forthcoming graduate certificate program that will be starting in the fall. So right now, about 50% of my responsibility is administration, um, and only about 10% of my responsibility is teaching anymore. Man, Ashley and Jacob, I don't know about y'all, but that that made me tired just hearing Jason describe all of that. Man, full plate and then some. Um, well, given all of that, I really appreciate you being back with us here and bringing uh, Ashley and Jacob with you. So um, let's stick with you, Ashley. You know, one of my favorite questions to ask members of the, the now generation is, why supply chain? What, what made you say, hey, that's what I want to do? 
That's a great question. So I came into college and I was an applied um, engineering major, which is specific to Michigan State. It's part engineering and then a concentration of your choice. And my concentration at the time was supply chain. And during my time, I was really involved my freshman year in the Supply Chain Management Association. And after going to those meetings on a biweekly basis and attending their events, I realized that that was the right path for me. I really enjoyed it. I found a lot of passion in that. So I fully switched my major to supply chain management after attending that club. And I've loved it ever since. It's a great decision. So the club, the SCMA, and and going there for the first time is what led you to pursuing a a career of of making it happen in global supply chain? Yes, it has. It was, uh, I'm still involved in the club. Um, I love how it balances professional and social aspects. So you get a great view of um, supply chain as a professional in um, companies and then also like bonding with other members with similar interests. I think it's amazing. Wow. Okay. Um, Jacob, how about you? Why, Why supply chain for you? Well, so I started as a packaging major at MSU. So that was in, in funny, not most colleges don't have packaging as a degree. Uh, and I really liked it, really liked the, you know, I was taking packaging 101. And um, there were aspects of supply chain management that were kind of shown in that classroom. Uh, I had a roommate who was a part of the SCMA, part of the club, popular popular motivator to, to, join, uh, to join the club. and came to a couple of those meetings and really turned my ear. And I think the one thing I notice is, you know, as a consumer and then going to see like manufacturing processes and distribution centers, you know, touring a couple as a student, it, you, you have a rejuvenated respect for how companies go to get their stuff on the shelves and get stuff to, to consumers. So I, I'd say that's a big part of why supply chain for me you know, both of you are speaking to, um, you, you kind of had the, and we're going to talk about Eureka moments in a minute, but that awareness, that epiphany, you, when, when you, you kind of uncovered what supply chain does. And, so many, and, and of course, there's so many different definitions to that. But um, man, Jason, coming to you, uh, from that SCMA, that Supply Chain Management Association, that sounds like a very powerful program you have there at Michigan State. Yeah, I would say it is the best undergrad student-run organization I've come across in my career as both being an undergrad student and then being getting a PhD at Ohio State and then being a faculty member um, in multiple universities. So it is incredibly well run. They're very modest here, but um, I mean, they hold their own career fair that is effectively as large as the college's career fair that we put on. So, I mean, wow. that just shows you how impressive of a student organization this is. Well, uh, I really appreciate you sharing that. Uh, and Ashley and Jacob, really appreciate y'all, um, uh, the leadership and the, the blood, sweat, and tears that you go into making sure that other folks maybe have that same epiphany or that awareness uh, that you had. It's been so uh, impactful to your journeys. Um, Jason, one of the quick comment, and we'll get you to, um, and folks, if you're not following, if you're not connected with, Dr. Jason Miller, or following him, at least on LinkedIn, you're missing out. Uh, so much great content ranging from, as I mentioned, the freight market observations to e-commerce, consumer finance, uh, and of course, all sorts of uh, global supply chain analysis. When you, heard, you know, Jacob mentioned packaging. Now, uh, a lot of folks may not think that packaging is, is, um, is, is sexy or, or insert whatever uh, adjective there. It's really good to see packaging really get a ton more attention here in recent years. Would you agree, Jason? No, it, it is. And Michigan State has an outstanding packaging program. Um, it's one of the top programs in the country. There's a, I'm going to say, reasonably close relationship between the packaging program and the supply chain department. Um, and it's, you know, it's absolutely essential major. I think some students get very surprised that packaging is essentially applied engineering. I think that that's always the the interesting thing, um, you know, that we see, and it's almost ends up being the supply chain major is the less mathy of the two. But no, it's an outstanding program. Um, They've got great leadership over there, and they're looking at expanding essentially back to their former size, which if this all goes successful, they'll actually be larger than our program, which is 
one of the largest in the entire university in terms of undergraduate programs. Man, that's great to hear. There's so many, there's so many opportunities uh, on so many different levels for um, uh, patching, not just packaging professionals, but just the art of packaging, I'll call it. So that's great to hear. Um, all right. So Ashley, I want to circle back to you. So um, kind of using that as a segue, packaging, just one of you know billions of topics uh, that make up global supply chain. Ashley, what is one topic, trend, issue, you name it, across global supply chain that's got your attention perhaps more than others right now? I'm really interested in information technology and integrating technology in supply chains. I think after the COVID-19 pandemic, technology has proven to be the way of the world, at least for the future. Um, I think it'll be really interesting in the coming years to see how we sustain that new technology um, sort of boom in supply chain and then also like how we expand from that. And I think that's a really interesting um, aspect in the supply chain world right now. I agree with you. And I would add to that uh, the change management uh, and almost mm -hmm. the psychology of how the workforce handles uh, all the, the rapid pace of technology and change and, and innovation. Would you agree, Ashley? Yes, I definitely agree. And going off that also like the automation aspect, whether that be um, in warehouses and handling and logistics, I think that's all extremely interesting. Yeah, agreed. Um, before I go to Jacob, uh, Jason, weigh in on that whether it's the, the change management aspect or, or automation, you name it. What, what, what st sticks out there in Ashley's answer, Jason? Now, I think it's a change management aspect. I mean, we're even seeing that today in terms of how do you better have data-driven decision-making in organizations? And the key thing that some of the initial research on this that's coming out from economists at MIT who are using a lot of data the Census Bureau is collecting is you can have you know, all the predictive analytics, for example, you want, you can have folks running neural networks and doing all these things. But if you don't have the complement, complementary organizational structures in place, nothing's going to happen. Or how do you convince people that to essentially accept the recommendation of something that for a non-statistician is a complete black box? And I think that that's, you know, one of the things we're struggling with you know, not only in organizations, but even in our pedagogy and how we teach, is how much familiarity do we have our students learn with the methods, quote unquote, versus understanding the core content, the key interrelationships, and you append the methodology to it. And I think that's something we, you know, continue to struggle with and also have vigorous debate about. Uh, as we should, right? Uh, if we're not leaning into those, those, frank discussions where we're challenging each other's uh, opinions and perspectives. You know, we're not moving industry forward. So I appreciate you sharing that, Jason. Um, and and thank you, uh, Ashley. Uh, plenty of stuff on your radar. Jacob, how about you? When, you? when you survey global supply chain right now, what's one topic that you're really dialed in on? So I, it's kind of funny. We had a case competition um, a few months ago that actually SCMA puts on, I had the opportunity to compete in it. And it was involving uh, how uh, a OEM kind of stretches out their supply network and manufacturing practices, where are they putting new production facilities in order to, you know, best meet demand. And the, the I think that the concept that was taken away from that case study was onshoring. Um, and how are companies mitigating risk by onshoring as well as, you know, keeping the cost down? So, for example, if you put a, a plant in the USA, it's a whole lot more expensive to operate the plant in the USA than it is in Taiwan or, Ch or China or, you know, wherever, name an Asian country out there. So it's, it's really interesting understanding how companies are, um, I want to, I don't, there's a word to use it, but you know, understanding the investment costs to do such and then even operating labor. So that's definitely been interesting because it's the globalized supply chain is becoming a little less glorified after, you know, pandemic, the, all the buzzwords of the last three years. Glocalization. Is that, is that the word you just used there, Jacob? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I love that one. And, and I agree with you. I think, I think um, uh, there's a lot more, that's coming out of the blind spot 
uh, as you set up and, and run and manage global supply chains that you've got to take into account for. I think the, uh, and Jason, let me get your view here. You know, supply chain leaders approach to managing that risk uh, of where you're going to source and how you're going to construct your, your global supply chains. That algorithm may be changing a little bit, and it may be one of the silver linings from the pandemic. But Jason, your thoughts? No, I certainly think there's a realignment in certain industries that we're starting to see a realization that quicker time to market, being more local, China not being as cost competitive, and certainly now with the disruption we're seeing with this continual whack-a-mole with COVID. I mean, we're seeing Apple stock get hammered today for that very reason about concerns with a supplier. Um I will admit, I think there may be a little bit more hype to this than what we're actually going to eventually end up seeing, because there's a reality that for certain um, products, the parts ecosystem lives in East Asia, take smartphones, so many components come from South Korea and Japan. If you just shift final assembly to Mexico, we're not really changing that versus there will be other things. So, you know, Mattel's building a tremendously large facility in Mexico. That'll actually benefit U.S. manufacturers of plastic resins, those packaging materials that we were talking about, because we'll be a huge supplier of that, and Mexico will handle the final you know, labor-intensive assembly. So I, I certainly think that will be on the, the radar. I am curious to see, though, how much of what we have as nearshoring or reshoring is, in fact, just organic expansion. The facilities are kept overseas to serve those overseas markets, and it's more of just organic expansion. Yeah, well said, Jason. And 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 I may be some oversimplifying, but one of the things I heard you share there is uh, while cash continues to be king, right, I, as always, I guess the rule of thumb, but those who control raw supplies <laughs> are also sitting pretty. Um, so... Uh, I'm going to ask you both. I'm going to ask all three of y'all for a eureka moment here in just a minute. And Ashley and Jacob, thanks for uh, sharing some of the things you're tracking. Um, how, you know, going back to you, how you found supply chain back to SCMA. Um, Ashley, would you encourage, you know, some of our listeners that may be um, working their way through high school or maybe in their first year of college or tech school, you name it. How, how much would you recommend a career in global supply chain? I would 100% recommend it. I think it is so broad. There's a lot that you can do with it. You can touch any industry that you're interested in. Um, you can really do a whole breadth of um, things with the degree. And especially in a technical path, it touches that. It can touch sustainability. It can touch a lot of different aspects that you might be interested in. And I think that background knowledge is extremely important to have. And especially as a freshman or high school student, just introducing yourself to it. I wasn't sure what supply chain was in high school. And like I said, the SCMA really introduced me to what it was. So I think it doesn't hurt to just see what it entails because chances are it'll touch your career path. Ashley, well said. And to our listeners out there, it's okay if you don't know. It's okay. Lean into that. And hey, if you... um, even after a really effective introduction to uh, supply chain management and a uh, piece of pizza and a good beer, and it's not your thing, that's okay too. But check it out. Uh, make sure you kick the tires. Jacob, would you invite the same thing? Absolutely. Uh, the, I mean, the thing too is, is like supply chain hasn't been a forefront news buzzword for, you know, it, it's, it's very recent. And um, it, as a result of, of the problems and of the new challenges that come about, there's a lot of job opportunities. And like Ashley was saying, just about every end- industry imaginable. So the, the variety of, of job descriptions and problem solving opportunities are, are you know, demanding students. Uh, so there's, there's opportunities all over the place. I completely agree. And, and you know, consumers are, as we all know, they're really smart. They've got more data. Uh, at their fingertips than ever before. Uh, uh, kudos to them for figuring out what supply chain management means in here in recent years. And 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 that's going to be great for the profession, getting more talent in as, as evidence right here in this conversation. Jason, uh, before I shift gears over to Eureka Moments, your thought about, um, you know, any of our listeners that may be considering, you know, kicking the tires on the supply chain management career. 
Yeah, I, I mean, again, I would definitely highly recommend it. There's something for everyone. Um, you know, the jobs can range from, you know, the traditional think about, you know, General Motors working in the auto sector, you know, what we think of very much in Michigan. We've had students hired from Michigan State who go to Nike, whose job is to arrange photo shoots with professional athletes. Mm. And so they're in charge of all the logistics and all the procurement of everything you need to set up a professional photo shoot in the middle of Hawaii, as an example. And so there, there is job. something for everyone in the major um, the pandemic really, you know, I always joke, raised awareness that cows don't just fatten themselves up, slaughter themselves, turn themselves into steaks, and then ship <laughs> themselves, you know, to the local uh, local store and or toilet paper doesn't, you know, just grow on trees type of thing. And so I think that the awareness is there, even as we come out of things and, you know, you give it two or three years Will supply chain being showing up in the news as much as it is today? Maybe not, but we're never going to go back to a 2018, 2019 baseline level. And so I think that it's a profession where there's just so much more awareness broadly defined that it's a very safe career trajectory. I mean, we have near 100% job placement rate for students within 90 days of graduation out of MSU, and that's Man. not going to change anytime soon. That is outstanding. And we're going to talk about what makes the Michigan State University supply chain program so uh, unique and successful and innovative here in a second. But before we do, uh, and I liked your phrase there, Jason, uh, toilet paper does not grow on trees and consumers have figured that out now. You know, kidding aside, I tell you, that one topic, uh, who would have thunk uh, that we'd spend as much time and we'll have learned as much as we have, right? But uh, be that as it may. Let's talk for a second about Eureka Moments, right? And uh, I want to circle back uh, to Ashley. Ashley, you know, if you, especially if you look in the last couple of years, right? It doesn't have to be tied to the, the, the pandemic, but what's been a powerful Eureka Moment that you've had? Yes, so I worked a student booth fair at the end of last year in the spring where incoming freshmen came, walked by all the different student organizations, and I was working the SCMA booth with a fellow executive board member. And I had a parent and a child come up and they were asking me about like the club and the school. And they said, oh, supply chain, like, what are you going to do to fix that? And I kind of laughed. I was like, oh, like, what, what do you mean? They're like, oh, what's the solution? And I just sat there. I was like, there isn't a necessarily clear solution. But it made me think like, that is my question to answer. That is my problem to solve. Like I am in my fellow classmates, like we're getting to that point in our careers when like, we are the ones figuring that out. And I thought that was just a really powerful moment. You know, it, that's such a great one to start with because uh, of the responsibility now that we have both realistically and and maybe um, figuratively out in, out in the market and in consumers' minds. So uh, really cool. Uh, Jacob, how about you? Eureka moment you've had in the last couple of years. So uh, two years ago or two Two summers ago, uh, I one of my internships was with a cherry pitting plant uh, in Traverse City, Michigan. So top of the top of the mitten, and it was a s smaller operation. I think that year we did about seven million pounds of pitted cherries. And uh, my role there was involved with uh, logistics, outbound management, transportation, and then some inventory, pack materials, just kind of watching inventory, making sure we can keep our production line running. Um, and we had a fiasco where. Um, kind of, it, it involves supplier ship performance. You know, we had a, a supplier with granulated sugar um, come to us kind of last minute and say, hey, we can't fulfill this lead time. It's going to be pushed out months. And uh, the cherry harvest is, you know, July to mid-August. So it's, it's not a lot of time to work with when you have a, a lead time changing and delaying. So um, the Eureka moment is this is this is problem solving. This is, you know, supply chain resiliency. This is what it looks like when, when you have to, to change and, and mitigate risk. So um, that was definitely like, it, it was, you know, really stressful for a first, you know, for an intern to do it, but it's, it's, it definitely piqued my interest in saying, well, you know, I'm kind of at the steering wheel uh, with, with working on all this stuff. So that was, I'd say like for supply chain sake, the big, you know, wow, I want to keep doing this, you know, fixing problems. Dealing with, dealing with constraints, uh, Jacob, yes. right? And I'm hoping uh, that that didn't impact, uh, I don't know 
if y'all happen to supply like cordial cherries, chocolate covered cherries that it impact order shipped? Uh, no, we actually we were able to just reroute to a different supplier in a very short period of time. It worked out really well. But so all the Sara Lee pies you see, like Sara Lee cherry pies, ConAgra brand pies, uh, those are all Michigan cherries okay. for the most part. So, yeah. Man, learn something new every day. I love that. Um, all right, so Jason, uh, first, if you would, before we get your Eureka moment, comment on what you heard there from Ashley and from Jacob, you know, Ashley, where someone was uh, looking for her uh, her superhero cape as a supply chain practitioner, and Jacob, you know, talking about some of the constraints and some of the ways you've got to work around it, you know, to keep things moving. Uh, your thoughts on what they shared and then your Eureka moment, Jason. And yeah, no, I think those are two very good examples. I mean, we hear this all the time, you know, what there's this magical silver bullet out there that will will resolve things. Um, I advise several different um, senior level government agencies on supply chain content. And from time to time, I hear the same thing. So there just has to be something we can do that'll cause the ports to work more efficiently. It's like, we're, we need to have a 30 minute conversation about why things are backed up. You know, for example, in January of this last year, talking about LA and Long Beach. So I feel the pain there. Um, Food factory stories, I love those. I used to work at a pickle factory when I was in high school. So I'm sure we can swap notes over the entertaining things that happen in food manufacturing. Um, hey, really you know, quick, it, I, I, I got to throw this in, Jason, because uh, I, I, I did not work in a pickle factory. But, um, you know, growing up in Aiken, South Carolina, pickles were a homemade and otherwise were a daily part of our diet. Um, and there's a great story that I'm not, I'm going to get their name wrong, but the, the, um, the gentleman that took Vlasic, the pickle company, to all-time heights. I want to say Joe Vlasic, but I could have that wrong. Anyway, he um, passed away a couple years ago, uh, maybe within the last year or so. But one of his mantras he used um, within his overall organization was, um, give me good news fast, but give me bad news faster. And, I I, I mean, that is such a, a timeless um uh, approach to, I think, management and leadership and supply chain that um, I was so glad he shared. And all of his employers knew that was part of his MO. But And Jason, having worked, I'm not sure if I've met anyone ever work in a pickle plant. So you and I are going to have to compare notes because inquiring minds want to know how those operations work, Jason. But you're about to share your, your eureka moment. Yeah, so if, if I had to say a eureka moment for me is really – you know, I probably anger some of my colleagues saying this, but in a lot of ways, I'd say my eureka moment with the pandemic is supply chain and economics are just not that distinct. And, you know, I think that that's really affected how I teach and that so much more of my teaching than, let's say, four years ago now focuses on things like how do markets behave? How, how does pricing behave? How do we think about industrial production and really trying to, I'm going to say, repurpose a lot of information that exists for economists, but really it's directly affecting us as supply chain practitioners. And I think that that's, to me, sort of been the thing is, you know, you look, markets work. They tend to do a fairly good job of, uh, of behaving in ways they should behave. And I think that that's been you know, the challenge that many people have had with, you know, inflationary forces, you know, used cars going up the way they did and people getting upset. It's price gouging. It's, it's just right. how consumers are behaving. That's what happens when you give people a tremendous amount of money and they can't spend it on services. And so I think for me, it's just been sort of this realization that I increasingly think, you know, you almost can't really teach supply chain, especially as an academic without at least being a quasi-economist, because you need to understand how all these pieces are moving, which is, you know, why I'm, you know, I'll be talking about credit card debt as I'm discussing what's going on in the retail sector, because yep. th those two are, you know, very tightly linked to one another. Jason, love that perspective, that uh, kind of a different version of the butterfly effect, um, how everything impacts each other. And, you know, actually circling back, because uh, I think you're monitoring in economics, that'll be interesting for you moving forward uh, to, to have, be, to be well-versed in those things so you can see maybe more links than, uh, than, many, than, than other supply chain practitioners, perhaps. Definitely. 
Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about Michigan State University and what makes the supply chain program so special. And I want to start uh, with you, Jacob. Um, I, again, I, I can't think enough. Uh, I'm so it's so cool to hear your earliest days of, of kind of becoming aware of what supply chain is and saying that's what I want to do. Right, the power of connection, the power of of uh, of, of fellowship, in, in some ways, going back to supply chain management. Uh, association, but when you think kind of more general about the program, both the supply chain program and maybe the opportunities that university affords you, what makes the program uh, so unique? So I want to highlight two things. So the first one, and this is just a no-brainer as a faculty, is our, our our faculty within our department is amazing. I mean, I mean Jason Miller himself and then everybody else included. Um, for two reasons being so one, I think a lot of, and it's a cliche thing to say, well, you're not going to learn until you get into the workplace more so, <laughs> things like that. And I think professors and faculty are getting very good at becoming aware of the evolving business need, constantly changing, you know, understanding ERP systems, understanding uh, all those, all the sorts of different tools, how to understand data. So I think in the classroom, it's becoming more apparent that professors understand business needs. And then other thing too is, you know, faculty's constant pursuit to engage with students. So, you know, for example, we have a professor going on a trip to the Panama Canal with 12 students. And that's just an example of how, you know, how much professors really want students to learn about supply chain in the real world. And that's probably one of the best places to go to understand it. So, um, otherwise, that and then the we have a fantastic career management center. I, my resume is fixed up due to the help, due to their help and interview skills are are really helpful. So, and that's something that I, I don't think other universities can quite flaunt like us. You mm. know, Jacob, and, and you know, based on what you submitted uh, inf- information to our team here, I take it that you're really a um, to your point. You, you're big. Um, you greatly appreciate that practical perspective, including some of your own, right? Absolutely, yes. Yep. yes, yes Learn yes. by doing, right? Um, okay, so Ashley, same question uh, for you. And, and, and Jacob, did we get both of yours out? I'm, I'm, I'm making sure. Two big ones you're going to share about Michigan State University. Yeah, we tackle re- both regarding of them? the faculty, absolutely. Okay, that's right. Faculty, no. that's right. That's right. How could I forget that one uh, with Dr. Jason Miller with us? Uh, all right, so Ashley, how about you? What makes Michigan State University and especially its supply chain program so successful? I definitely echo what Jacob said. I think our faculty is unmatched. They are extremely knowledgeable and put their students first. Um, Jacob also touched on the real world application in the courses. Um, the supply chain management program is organized sort of with three big umbrellas being like procurement, purchasing, and then logistics, and then manufacturing. So it's really interesting. That's how you start off. Typically, as a junior, you take those classes, so you get to see those three different realms. And then as a senior, you take a capstone class, and you get into different elective courses based almost what you want to pursue, what you find interesting. So I think that's super valuable, like structure of the um program, as well as the students. I just think that everyone in it has a passion to learn, super bright minds, and it's just great to be surrounded by amazing faculty and students. It must be. Uh, and, and uh, hey, sign me up for the next trip to the Panama Canal. Would y'all let me know? Uh, that, talk about a great trip. Um, Jason, that's got to be music to your, to your ears, what Jacob and Ashley both have shared, and and especially their common, you know, the common part of their answers, which were their touting you know, the people they learn from and, and learn by doing with at Michigan State University. Your thoughts there, and then tell us what else you think makes uh, the supply chain program so special. You know, I, I would start off first with the students. Um, I think the students at MSU are some of the hardest working and most demanding of faculty that I have come across. Um, but certainly the expectation you know, folks come here, it is a number one ranked program. It's been undergrad number one ranked by U.S. News and World Report for 12 years running, and that creates expectations. And I think the students hold hold that up and they hold the faculty up to that. Um, same way graduate, I think we've been number one for about the last six years. Um, 
And so I think that, you know, the students having the expectations, the faculty really does, you know, drive things. I would say, you know, if I had to pick a second thing, it would be the, the breadth of faculty knowledge in this department is, I don't really think, equaled elsewhere. Um, we're not the largest department that there is. Um, there's other programs out there that are bigger than us. Um, we're not the most detailed in one specific area that there is. My alma mater of Ohio State has almost double the logistics faculty members that I have in this department up here. But when you look at the, the just breadth of knowledge, industries covered, um, skill sets that exist, I, this place can you know pretty much ball with anybody. And so we're, we're very... We're very proud of that. I like to think that we still have an orientation that is both recognizing the changing business environment and you know how do companies like a Facebook, for example, need supply chain talent, but it's still also you know recognizing that manufacturing ain't going anywhere, D distributing product ain't going anywhere, and while it's really fun to talk about Uber driving people, you know, pa and passenger transport and we can't have half of our faculty researching that um and and so i think that that's where you know a lot of very applied real world problems get addressed by the faculty here so it's it's the students and it's the faculty and it's the programs you know if i had to add one thing this is at least the logistics academic discipline is one of sort of the three founding programs, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Penn State, um, and the University of Maryland also coming in that conversation. So the program here, I mean, we've been around since the 1960s, which uh, very few places can say. Right. Long before supply chain was cool, right? Yeah. Long before supply chain even was called supply chain. <laughs> so I want to, so we're going to, um, one of my favorite parts here is we're going to get a sneak peek of what Ashley and Jake are going to be up to and the impact they're going to be making, as well as some of uh, Jason's favorite um, um, lessons learned or, or learning, teaching, teaching, learning moments in the classroom. But before that, Jason touched on something about um, expectations, right? And as, it, as he started, starting with students. So Ashley and Jacob, Ashley, I'm going to stick with you here. You know, um, when it comes to expectations of the top-ranked program, that can ball with anybody. I mean, your thoughts there. It's definitely intimidating, first off, but it's also empowering. I would say just having that recognition and then like knowing an, the impact that you can make, I would say is so important. It's so valuable and it just makes your work seem worthwhile. And do folks, when they, when they oh yeah, you're a supply chain major, oh, Michigan State University, they, they, those different, the different, um, they take those conversations differently when they hear that? I have noticed that, especially in SCMA when companies come, they are very excited to meet our students just because of the press that our school gets. And I think that's um, exciting as a student. Jacob, your thoughts around whether it's expectations or kind of the, the prestige factor, we'll call it, with Michigan State University Supply Chain Program. Your thoughts? I think it's it's been kind of apparent through the last few years. I As a student coming with that you know the the structure of how our program is you know there's so many tools that lead to where we get i mean all the student orgs you know uh, consulting student orgs our student org faculty it i mean it it's the expectation of students is very helped by you know all the tools that the that the program has and the university provides Okay, and it seems like y'all are empowered to um, expect the best uh, at Michigan State. It's really cool. Thank you, Ashley and Jacob. Um, okay, so Jason, this has got to be one of your favorite parts too because uh, as they've gone through the program, they're both, you both, uh, Ashley, you'll be graduating this this spring, right? Yes. Spring 2023, and Jacob, you will be too, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, it's funny, Jacob kind of had to look down at his calendar to make sure. Is that right, <laughs> I've been there, man. Yeah, it's been there. creeping up I'm, a little too fast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Um, all right. So, Ashley, what um, two-part question here. What impact do you want to have on industry? And what's some of your immediate next steps after you graduate? 
Um, the impact I want to have on the industry is just to make a mark. I know it sounds cliche, but I want my work to be valuable. I want it to be worthwhile. Um, I want it to have a good effect, not only on individuals, but just society as a whole, like how supply chains operate, how consumers like view supply chain, view the world. Um, next steps after graduation, I'm excited to join Accenture in Chicago. I interned with the company this summer, absolutely loved it. And I'm excited to be joining them full-time as a consulting analyst. That is outstanding. Congratulations, Ashley, man. Um, and Jacob, how about you? Two-part question, the impact you want to have and what's next? I, so with the the class work that I've had recently, um, one of my classes is, is strictly about SAP. And I think that is a tool that a lot of companies are using to vertically integrate. And so I, the, the vertical integration concept is kind of what I'm falling to is something I want to continue because a lot of big OEMs, big companies really want to keep striving to go as far up the supply chain as they can to understand the structures, resiliencies that they have. So that's what I want to strive to provide. Um, now, obviously as a student, I don't know a whole lot about it yet, but we're gonna get there. Uh, and so kind of next, next steps um, after May, 2023, I'll be joining, going back to Caterpillar after I interned with them last summer uh, to do the leadership develop, I can't even say it myself, leadership technical <laughs> development program. Um, so it's a three year program of supply chain management roles, one year each, uh, we'll be moving around to different facilities. I don't know where I'm going yet, but that's kind of the fun of it is uh, it's it's a little tour of, of the U.S. So that is exciting, and and we were we we're having a little fun pre-show because I couldn't. I think I tried saying that six times and, and did not get it right, Jacob. So, congrats! I tell you, um, having rubbed elbows and been in a couple different Caterpillar facilities and getting a sense of the culture, uh, that has got to be exciting. Not only to rejoin the culture, but with that rotational program, you're going to be able to kind of take the Baskin Robbins approach, maybe to how they do global supply chain, perhaps, huh? Absolutely, yes. That's awesome. Congrats, Ashley and Jacob. Uh, and then Jason, um, how exciting. I mean, I know going back to your earlier comment that you know most of the an overwhelming uh, percentage, I think um, close to 100% of students get placed within 90 days of their graduation, if I had that right, what you shared. So these are kind of part, this is kind of examples of what happens anyway. But Jason, how cool is that based on what they, you know, the impact they want to have and what they want to do next? And then we'll get to here in just a second, some of your favorite moments from the classroom. No, it's absolutely great. I mean, these are, it's, it's always for me been fun to teach spring semester when folks are either already coming in with their job offers and or those offers start to come in during the semester and you know you can see see the excitement i mean also the sadness i mean you are leaving and moving on to a different stage of life and we almost recognize the four-year the four-year undergrad experience is a completely unnatural thing that exists um but you know it's great and again it just speaks to the quality of students that we have here agreed um now speaking of the quality of students um, so when you think of some of your favorite moments there in the classroom, whether it's your previous role or your current role, what's one or two things that come to mind? You know, I, I think in terms of especially moments when I learned, I can at least share one from this fall where I was teaching our MS, our master's science supply chain. One of the students works for one of the big four, um, you know, the ABCDs of Ag. So Archer's, Archer Daniels Medlin, Bungie, ConAgra, or Louis Dreyfus. So one of those four. And this individual mentions, I'm hearing something internally about water levels on the Mississippi River. And this is during a live lecture. And I'm like, uh, okay, well, let's go see if we can dig up some data on this. And this was right before all the news outlets started talking about this. And then Sure enough, we found some data from the uh, Department of Agriculture, and we could just see the prices starting to skyrocket for um, barge transportation. I never thought of barge transportation; it didn't, didn't even, you know, it didn't even register. Right. And then spent, you know, a decent amount of time helping the student out, you know, figuring out and you know, corralling all of this data to give to get a sense, so she could take it back internally to her company 
and they could start making better decisions on grain pricing um, as they were looking at doing procurement. So those are the moments where, you know, somebody says something about, you know, this specific industry and, you know, you've, you've no idea, but you just try to go, I'd say, learn on the fly um, and, and things like that. Or just hearing especially stories, you know, we've had some students go to uh, Rivian and just hearing their stories of working for a startup, you know, light truck company comparing it to the folks at Ford who work on the F-150 group. And I hate to say Chuck when they're like, oh, you call that production? We call that a month, <laughs> month at one of our five plants that make these things. So it's just always interesting, too, to get those different perspectives. Mm, love it. Uh, learn on the fly, apply, and then retry. You know, maybe a different take on uh, um, uh, the, the demaic cycle. Who knows? Um, okay. So, uh, Jason, Ashley, and Jacob, I've really enjoyed our conversation here today. I really appreciate the time that y'all have given us. Um, so, let's do this. Let's make sure our listeners can connect with each of y'all. Uh, and, Ashley, let's start with you. How can folks connect with you? Yes, LinkedIn, Ashley Yearwood, and then also connecting with our MSU SCMA page on LinkedIn, too. Okay, wonderful. And, Jacob? I'll share the same, my LinkedIn page, Jacob Levac, and uh, MSUSCMA.com, see what we're doing every week. It's always something new. Love that. I really appreciate the impact you are having on a couple different levels. And folks, to our listeners, we'll make it easy. One click away, you'll be in the, the episode page, so you can make it really easy to connect with Ashley, Jacob, and Jason. And Jason, how can folks connect with you? Yeah, so again, LinkedIn and or just go to our department's webpage, type in Michigan State Supply Chain, main page, it'll come up to me as interim chairperson, um, and just get in touch with me through email. Well said. Okay, and thanks for coming back, and thanks for bringing a couple of your uh, students as well. So big thanks to Dr. Jason Miller, uh, professor at Michigan State University. Jason, thanks again. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. You bet. And Ashley Yearwood, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. You bet. And Jacob Levac, thanks for joining us here today. Thank you very much, Scott. All right. You have to keep in touch. Let us know. I'd love to hear what y'all are, what the next couple of years have in store. Undoubtedly, you'll be moving mountains. Uh, and we look forward to hearing all about it. So, folks, hopefully you've enjoyed this episode of the Now Generation here on Supply Chain Now. Folks are already making a big impact. Uh, along with their uh, professors and educational uh, uh, experts that help inspire them to do so. Uh, but hey, whatever you do, on behalf of our entire team here at Supply Chain Now, Scott Luton challenging you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change. And with that said, we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.